0: We're in a series we're, do, we're doing some character studies, getting to know some biblical characters in order to identify emotional connections that move them either toward God or away from him. As we look at the ties that bind, today we're going to follow John the Baptist and Jesus on the path that leads to God. It's John's relationship with Jesus that was the first that we have recorded. It actually began in utero when John and Jesus were within the womb. It says in Luke 1, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in Elizabeth, who was John the Baptist's mother, the baby weeped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb weeped for joy. John was not yet even developed, and he reacted to the presence of Jesus, and it was a lifelong following and love affair, although conflicted between the two. In the final book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, he prophesied John's arrival. He identified who John would influence and what his influence would be like. Look what it says. um, Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. It's in your worship folder. Malachi writes, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send you. The prophet Elijah, before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Malachi reminded the Jews to remember the old covenant, to remember the things God told them to do in order that they would be blessed and warn them not to do in order to avoid being cursed. He predicted that God would send a prophet like Elijah to call people back to covenant faithfulness. And by the way, that is what a prophet does. A prophet speaks on behalf of God and calls people's attention to the covenant that is in Operation at the time within the context of the old covenant, then old covenant prophet's responsibility was to call the covenant stipulations and commitments to people's attention. And John was the last of the old covenant prophets. Malachi predicted that John would come speaking particularly to Jews and let them know what it is that they had to do within the context of of the old covenant to be able to find in their connection with God what they wanted to find. So an old covenant prophet calls people to old covenant faithfulness and a new covenant prophet would do the same thing with respect to new covenant faithfulness. Um, says, see, I will send the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. It lets us know what John the Baptist would do, what his focus, what his influence would be. What is he supposed to do? He's Jesus' advanced man. You know, sometimes when you send a band or a speaker into an area, you send an advanced person to drum up interest and enthusiasm. John was Jesus' advanced man, and what was he supposed to do? He would influence Jewish fathers to take the law of Moses seriously, that's what he would do, and compel their children to do the same, especially sons, to turn the hearts of fathers to sons and sons to fathers to promote serious discussions in the home relative to a father telling his children, you better be sure to do everything that Moses commanded you to do, or else there will be trouble. Uh, this would be John's influence, and he was not gentle, nor was he supposed to be, in the way he went about it. He was forceful and fearless, and it ended up getting him killed. I want to read from Matthew 14. It's not in your, but let me, let me tell you what happened. Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. What ended up happening, Herodias was married to Herod's brother, Philip. The Bible says in Leviticus 18, do not have sexual relations with your brother's wife. That would dishonor your brother. What ended up happening, both Herod and Herodias divorced their spouses, then married one another. And so he then got married to his brothers, his half-brother's wife. And when John heard that, he said, it's not lawful for you to have her. Now, Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people. Because they considered him a prophet. So he couldn't carry out what he wanted to do to get John out of the way because it was creating problems. Herod was the ruler of the Jews at the time and the fact that John was cutting, undercutting his popularity with the people because he was telling them, Herod, you're doing what is wrong at any rate. And Herod didn't like it very much. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for them. And pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. Um, John's outspoken condemnation got him killed. And what was difficult in John's relations with Jesus, that John couldn't quite figure out, is how come Jesus didn't speak out, as clearly as John himself did. It was against divine law to do what Herod had been doing. John the Baptist was clear and forceful in his denunciation of it, was put in prison because of that. But it wasn't echoed by Jesus to the degree that perhaps John believed it should have been, and it Surprised him. It gave him pause. Look what it says in Matthew 11. It was difficult. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, and perhaps, I'll add, what he wasn't saying, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Do you understand why I asked that question? How can you be from God and you're not speaking out more strongly on things of the day that are clearly wrong? I was confused. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. From the days of John the Baptist until now, The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. Do you remember Malachi talked about a prophet like Elijah who would come? Do you remember what his role would be? To stimulate A resurgence of interest in the Mosaic Covenant. Dads, tell your kids. Tell them about the things that they're supposed to do to be blessed and not supposed to do to be cursed. And, and kids, listen to your dads. Come on. And so that's, that was John. Again, John had problems with Jesus' lack of concern. And Jesus' response is telling. Again, they go back and this is what you should tell John tell them this? The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. There are several important elements in Jesus' response. It's not only what is happening, but how it's happening. And the reason why that's interesting, just look ahead one more verse. Look at what it says in John chapter 10. A little, little nugget here, but it's important for us. Jesus went back, John 10, then, in your worship folder. Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing the early days. Here he stayed, and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a miraculous sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place... Many believed in Jesus. John never performed a miraculous sign. I think this is an important fact. John was not able to use miracles to foster obedience. Elijah had. We talked last week about the fire on Mount Carmel and, you know, the prophets of Baal and the prophets of God and the contest that they had and they were trying to get Baal to take this offering and Nothing was happening, and Elijah trash-talked. I love that verse, you know, maybe you have to talk louder, maybe he's in the bathroom. (laughs) You know, maybe he's relieving himself, or, you know, you have to talk louder than that. And so, naturally, what they did, they just became even more inflated. They started cutting themselves, and I'll show you, and nothing. So then he poured a bunch of water, a bunch of water, a bunch of water. (laughs) And Elijah, he could do stuff like that. And you imagine what happened after that. Oh, yes, sir. Um, John couldn't do that. You know what John was stuck with? You know what, he, what God gave him to work with? Because I said so, that's why. Because I said so, that's why. Why, John, because I said so, that's why. Um, hmm. Unlike Elijah, he wasn't able to to use miracles to get people to comply. Um, This is how we compel Jewish parents to influence their children, to honor the law of Moses. Because I said so, that's why. From John to parents. Because I said so, that's why. And from parents to children. In stark contrast to because I said so, that's why, you know what Jesus ended up? Tell this to John. The dead are raised, the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk. See, Jesus had more to work with. He was different than John. He didn't have to say, because I said so, that's why. You know what Jesus could do? Because Lazarus, rise up and walk. That's why. Because take up your pallet and walk. That's why. Jesus was able to use miracles. And in that, there's a difference there, isn't that, And what we find, this is what John had to use, forceful compulsion. He was a gritty, forceful, fearless prophet. Cause I said so, that's why. And people listened. But it was the death. Look at what Jesus said in Verse 12 of Matthew 11, the middle verse in the first section. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. Do you hear what it said? From the days of John the Baptist until Now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. You know what Jesus is indicating? The death of forceful compulsion. He was going to come, and he was going to have a different way of motivating obedience. Because, come to life, that's why. Because walk, that's why. You back it up with things. And when you think of it, it's a change. It's a change. It's the death of forceful family influence. Now, again, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. It's not that family influence was no longer relevant. Family influence is still relevant. But it wouldn't be required. And it makes sense when you think of it. It makes sense because of the New Covenant. That's what it says. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. I want you to listen to that again and, and understand what this says. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest. If transmission depends on neighbors and brothers, Right? How far would Christianity have spread? It would have stayed a Jewish entity, Jewish neighbors talking to their neighbors, Jewish fathers talking to their sons, Jewish mothers talking to their children. It would have stayed isolated, but God's purpose was not and has never been to be singular in reaching out to the world, to one race of people. God has always been inclusive. That's what he was to Abraham, right? Through you, every nation of the world will be blessed. And so God made a global covenant and then did a diversion in the Mosaic covenant, which focused on one person, one set of people, the Jews. And again, they were first. The Jews are our older brothers and sisters. God has special plans for them. He has not washed his hands of them. Sometimes you hear people say, the Jews had their turn and they blew it and killed Jesus, therefore God washed his hands. He has not washed his hands of them. God doesn't make a covenant and then rescind it because people didn't try hard enough. They'll, they have, there's going to come a time When he's going to speak to them in language and in terms that they will see they will mourn the one that they have perished and it will lead to a an unbelievable of revival of faith among the Jews. I don't know what that looks like. All I know is that I'd really like to see it. I really like to see people who have struggled so hard. To find open arms, being embraced, and, and to understand their role. Because they are our older brothers and sisters. Because of what the Jews have experienced, the door of faith is open to Gentiles. They are our older brothers and sisters. And when we get to see them up there, I'd like to hug a few. I'd like to hug Paul. Say thank you for what you did, what you endured. I'm not sure if we'd be able to run up to Abraham. I don't even know what he's going to look like. Can you imagine that? We're going to be able to talk to them. We're going to be there together one group of people I think they will still know that we were part of different races but then it won't matter will it in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek slave nor free male nor female in Christ there is no discrimination based on race class or gender it doesn't exist in the kingdom of God um, but with him it's it's the death of Forceful compulsion. Again, if Christianity had relied on family transition, transmission, it wouldn't have strayed outside Jewish contexts. But Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep hen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. You know the difference between John and Jesus? Not because one was bad and one was good. John was the death of fog. You know what fog is, right? Fear, obligation, guilt, force. Did that occur? Did God use fog at one point? Did he? Does he still? Are you sure? Does God use fear, obligation, and guilt now? To compel people to obey. Okay. Did Jesus... Did Jesus say, "Because I said so, that's why"? Did he? No, he didn't. Jesus said, "Because life, um, the death of the death of this died with John the Baptist, and the birth of that." That's how God motivates people when He shows up in person. Jesus was God. Reveals the character of God. And he didn't use fog. You know what the difference between Jesus and angels? It says the law of Moses was put into effect through angels. Are angels able to be compassionate? Can they? Does an angel know what it's like to be sequestered and locked in a body? We have some sense that angels can enter bodies, but they don't have to. How about Jesus? When he went into a body, did he come out? Did he go out and into his body? Let me ask you a question. When he was raised from the dead, when he left that tomb, did he leave a body behind, or did the body go with him? Which one? Went with him. You know what? When Jesus entered a body, he never left it. And you know what that means? He can do compassion because he understands pain. Some of you understand pain. You understand cancer? Jesus understands pain. My mother-in-law has heart problems that are increasing. Jesus understands heart problems. Jesus understands pain. You know what the word compassion means when Jesus healed people? It means viscera. Have you ever been in a place where somebody has been hurting, and you feel it in your stomach? You ever have that feeling when you see someone, and it's almost like your your innards get gripped? You felt that? You felt that, right? <laughs> Jesus felt that. That was the basis of his miracles. Jesus' miracles were driven by compassion. That's what it says. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. You know what this is? This is not forceful compulsion. This is gentle compassion. He healed their sick. Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. You know why he touched their eyes? Because he could understand at some level what it would be like to be locked in the body and not to be able to see. Some of you who take off your glasses can figure that out. I can. I can. <laughs> Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Um... The birth of gentle compassion. That's what Jesus came to do. Malachi had something else to say. You know, Malachi he talked about John the Baptist would come and he would prepare the way before Jesus. But what he also wrote about is what Jesus would be about. And listen to what it says. Well, it's in your passage. Look what it says, Malachi 3. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then, suddenly, The Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. Listen to what he calls him. The messenger of the covenant will come. Which covenant did Jesus come to bring? Did he come to revive the old covenant? That ended with John. The messenger of the covenant is the messenger of the new covenant, the new agreement. Therefore, would you agree with me? We would expect for New Testament prophets to function differently than Old Testament prophets, right? you remember what a prophet does? Calls people's attention to the covenant that is in operation at the time. When, before Jesus, the Old Covenant was in operation, and what would an Old Testament prophet do? Call your attention. You better do the do's and you better not do the don'ts, because if you do the, the do's, you'll be blessed, and if you don't do them, you'll be cursed, Correct. That's what you would expect. On this side, is that what a prophet functions like? Is that the same agreement? No, it isn't. The agreement now is I will forgive your wickedness and remember your sins no more. I'm going to appeal to people who don't have dads who know me. Some of you understand that. You weren't raised in homes. Homes of faith. Some of you were. Good. It's a great thing. But had not the operating system changed, a number of us wouldn't be sitting here. It's a different covenant. And therefore you expect New Testament prophets to be a little bit different. And they were and they began with, Jesus, what do you say, why, why do you say that, Mike? Well, because, look what it says in verse 3, he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold... And silver. You know why Jesus came? To purify the Levites. Levites are priests. To purify. If I have, in fact I had it at one point, I brought a silver thing. It was all faded. You ever, you ever seen you how faded gets tarnished? And you get that silver polish and you know what it does? You wipe it on the, the, the tray and it shines. That's what Jesus came to do. He came because the people who were resent- representing God were really fuzzy. Boy, I can't make them out in that. And so, what Jesus came to do is... Here, wait a minute. That's the sound it makes. (laughs) Now look. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. now I get it. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to leave individuals who reflected the character of God. He shined them up so that they reflected God more accurately. John was devout, but he did not reflect God's character clearly. God's intent was never to keep the old covenant in operation. That's why the messenger of the covenant came, to change it. Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Again, Mike, you're always talking about covenants, because covenants are central. We can't understand God unless and until we understand the covenant he operates by. Would you agree with me? Can you have the right image of God if you believe that God is still operating by all covenant guidelines? Will you have the right expectations? No. No. He's operating by a different set of ground rules. And that's what Jesus came to pronounce. And because there's a different set of ground rules, forceful compulsion is replaced by gentle compassion. And which one is more in the character of God? Gentle compassion is what God's like. Jesus replaced one ministry with another. Um, He came to replace compulsion-driven ministry with compassion-driven. Look what it says, last verse, Matthew 11. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned, and reveal them to little children. Hid them from the wise and learned. And reveal them and Lee. You know what, you know what God does? He hides in broad daylight. You know what God hides as? A father to children. John came to call children's attention to their fathers. Jesus came. To call children's attention to their father in heaven. Jesus related to God as father. And that's what he wants for you. Beckers are back there. They've got a little kid. What that, what that child understands, there might be other children here. He understands security. He understands when somebody is going to be there and is never going to fail or forsake him. He's learning that now. When he cries out, they respond. And he's learning to be secure in their love. Do you know what that is? A child resting in the arms of a mom or dad is a word for that. It's a learned thing, learned over time. There's a name for it, what it's called, the resting that that child is experiencing right now. You know what that's called? Faith. Faith is resting in the arms of promises and faithfulness. That's what God's purposes are for us, that Jesus... Again, said, I praise you because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned it, and revealed them to children. Yes, but this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to be by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Who does Jesus choose to reveal the Father to? He answers the question. This is what he says. Come to me. Come here. You're the ones I choose. Who? You who are weary and burdened. That's who I'm calling. If you can do it well and say it right, stay in your seat. If you can do the do's and not do the don'ts, then I'm sorry. I don't have much for you. But if you're weary and burdened, come here. You're the ones that I choose to reveal the Father to. Yes, Father, this was your good purpose. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Gentle compassion. Jesus came to turn the hearts of children to their father. John did. I'm sorry. Jesus came to turn the hearts of children not to their fathers, but to their father. And again, this was scandalous. Nobody related to God as daddy, daddy, till so Jesus came and said, "That's what I want you to call him, daddy." That's the relationship. Um, Jesus came to replace forceful influence with gentle influence. Um, there's an article. Let's just read this. And I'm going to Joel, come on up, and I'm just going to read this in closing. Talks about gentleness and I'll read it through. They've got ready and we'll sing a closing song. Follow along with me. Gentle. If asked to describe God's dealings with mankind, perhaps not the first word we would choose. The casual reading of the Bible, especially the Old Testament, reveals scenes we would not call gentle dealings. Forceful? Better word? A more realistic appraisal of God's dealings with mankind? Jesus thought so. In the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Prior to his own coming to earth, Jesus described God's kingdom as forcefully advancing. According to Jesus, God historically revealed himself through forceful men. He used John the Baptist as a case in point. John the Baptist's diet, locust and wild honey. Definitely not quiche. His clothing, a scratchy tunic made of camel's hair. His manner forceful. He rebuked a king and Ended up being beheaded for it. John the Baptist represented God's kingdom forcefully. Jesus Christ represented God's kingdom gently. Jesus said, no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus made a clear distinction between himself and all who preceded him as God's spokespersons. John the Baptist included. Jesus claimed to be God the Son. He claimed the exclusive rights to represent God the Father as the Son of God. Jesus claimed to be the Word through whom God fully and finally reveals Himself to the world. Jesus did not describe Himself as forceful. With Jesus' arrival, the days of God revealing Himself through forceful men came to a close. A new word would be needed. Forceful is out gentle as in. Jesus said, I am gentle and humble in heart. Jesus' greatest critics were those who stubbornly held on to the notion that God still dealt with people forcefully. They could not accept that Jesus was God no matter how many miracles he performed. Why? Because Jesus was gentle and their God was forceful. According to them, God would never tolerate a sinful person in his presence. God would certainly never allow himself to be beaten and executed. What is God like? God is like Jesus Christ. Jesus issues this invitation to you. On behalf of his Father, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He invites you to come to him. Relax. Breathe. He deals gently with you. Your purposes and your promises, thank you for dispatching representatives to speak on your behalf progressively, more clearly, ultimately, with crystal clarity through Jesus, who is the exact representation of your nature, tells us what you're like, pray that we would see him, you, clearly, so that we could become the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.